0: And morning show, Justin and Ailish, Baby Friday. The last one. We're going to have a great run of guests wrap up our time on the Fan Morning Show. I mean, we're
1: going to have Baby Fridays on uh, Fan Pregame, right? Different.
0: Jeff Merrick. Mr. Jeff Merrick is back in the saddle, back to grinding, uh, creating the best of content with 32 Thoughts Podcast. And Jeff, we missed y'all summer long. How are you?
2: Uh, I'm well. How are you, Ailis? Justin, congratulations on the sweet gig.
0: Thank you very much. We're excited. We're excited
2: I know you're going to miss the 3 a.m. Uh, iPhone uh, buzzers going off, but mm. nonetheless, I'm, sh- I'm sure you'll survive.
0: You did once tell us that we will age very quickly on the morning show and that we will get old yes. and weathered. Yeah, that,
2: that
1: changed Ailish, uh, Merrick, honestly, in a big, big way. That, I think that about that all
0: things. the time, Jeff, when I wake up and my bones are creaking and I'm getting bags on a rise. So you know what? Yeah. I, you, helped, you helped with this journey, so
2: on you <laughs> hey listen it's, it's 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 interesting i did it for a few years i did news uh for a couple of years on the uh, on the morning show at a different station and uh i what i found is a couple of things one you never really get used to it you just find ways to deal with it and and two it's not the getting up part that really stinks it's the oh it's nine i've got to go to bed <laughs> all your buddies are out and you're doing stuff or there's a cool game on you're like uh I gotta hit the. Rag. I gotta get in the rack here. I gotta. I gotta bundle up into the wrapper. That's that's the part that really stunk for me.
1: Uh, Merrick, I don't think any gig can compare to the one you and Elliot have, like preseason, where it's just like a oh, media tour here, media tour there, talk <laughs> to the, <laughs> talk to the biggest names in hockey. Uh, you guys have been pumping out the content. The interviews have been awesome. But I wonder, from your perspective, because it's been such a buffet of great guests, what is the best conversation you've had over the last few weeks?
2: Ooh, great question. Um Martin Natchez was really good in Stockholm. I thought he was exceptional. Uh we were just in in, in Vegas for uh, for for a few days last week or Henderson actually. Um and there were a few that were tremendous there, but I, I got to tell you there was there was a couple of conversations we had a couple of days ago Elliot and I were in Edmonton for media day and a couple of interviews really really stood out a couple that you'll hear on the podcast that we'll put out tomorrow morning. One of those is Matthias Eckholm, who talked a lot about how he fit into the Oilers organization, how he fit into the blue line. Um, you know, I think that the, the conversation we had with new Oilers CEO, Jeff Jackson, I thought was, was really good too, but you know, we, we did an interview. Let's see. Yeah, probably. Oh, you know what? You know who was really good? Evander Keen was great. Mm-hmm. Evander Kane was tremendous and I sort of it, it's weird I mean you guys know this you do this for a living like I, I i put out there what I thought was a throwaway question and it got an incredible answer and I just sort of said like just jokingly halfway through the, the conversation I said so it's between uh, Zach Bogosian, Blake Wheeler and you Evander Kane who's going to be the last Atlanta Thrasher in the NHL and all of a sudden, his like eyes brightened up as he like, oh, I get a chance to talk about Atlanta. This is great. And he said, look, I want to play like at least seven more years, so I'm going to be the last uh, Atlanta Thrasher in the uh, in, in in the NHL. And then he went on to talk about the market. And there's been tons of talk now as the NHL you know looks to expand again. And why not? The last two have been such huge successes. He went on to talk about why Atlanta can work as a hockey market, even though it's, it's, you know, it failed with the flames and they failed with the thrashers. Um, That interview is probably going to come out, I think maybe next week, Mm -hmm. but hearing Evander Kane talk about the Atlanta market, that was the, that was the one that really did it for me. Um, You know, Jay Woodcroft is always great. You know, maybe the most thoughtful uh, coach or one of the most thoughtful coaches in the NHL. So there've been a lot, there've been a lot recently. Uh, Hampus Lindholm was great in Stockholm. Um, but I think the ones that, that stood out really were the most. Re- oh, Leon Dre- in Vegas. Leon Dreisaitl is a standard. You always want to talk to Leon Dreisaitl. Great interview. Jack Hughes has become a go-to interview. I think for everybody as well. But um, Woodcroft was great. Kane was great. Matthias Eckholm was great the other day in Edmonton.
1: Uh, and it was a great idea to go to Edmonton because I think that's one of the more fascinating groups, at least in terms of like, uh, you know, expectation and, and yes. the Jeff Jackson move is very, very yes. interesting. I mean, like, there's a, there's a level of seriousness and intrigue uh, when looking at the Oilers. However, that, that extends to Tampa Bay right now. It might've been a good idea to go to Tampa Bay, uh, given yeah. that Steven Stamkos opened the door to Something uh, yesterday. I mean, we haven't talked about it on the show yet. So briefly, uh, he thought there were going to be some contract discussions. He said he wanted there to be some contract discussions over the summer, and he was basically ghosted. Uh, what do you make of Stamkos's comments? What do you make of the idea of uh, not even tabling discussion with a guy who has helped bring you a couple Stanley Cups?
2: There's always been something weird between Steven Stamkos and the Tampa Bay Lightning organization. You know, there have been plenty of times where Steven Stamkos hasn't exactly been on the same page as head coach John Cooper. Um, there's always been something, I don't want to say off, because I don't want to portray this as something that I, that I, that I don't know for sure. Um, is I don't want to portray this for, as, as, as something that's, that's, that might not really be there, but it's always seemed as if, you know, it's been at times challenging for Stamkos and the Tampa Bay Lightning organization. I think this is another log on the fire. And the one thing about Stamkos, and we learned this, you know, doing the NHL uh, players tour for the past few years when we used to be in Chicago. And now of course it's in Vegas. Um, Stamkos, if you ask him a question, he'll give you an honest answer. Mm-hmm. And the older he gets, the more mature he gets. And now he's 33 years old, and he's you know on the on the shady side of the mountain, not the sunny side <laughs> of the mountain. Although he's still playing great hockey, he's having some of the best years of his career. 84 points last year and 30, 30 35 goals, I think it was. Um, you know, he's kind he kind of has this. You know, I'm uh, my position in the game is, is solid. My position in hockey history. Is solid here. I've got you know the Stanley Cup rings, etc. You know he's in a position where he can really speak his mind and, and talk about how he feels. And he's not shy about that. Um, you know, you know people from Newport were with Julian Breezebois at the draft. Um, the fact that there wasn't. It is to, to, to Stamkos's point, any types of conversations or any type of movement, then you saw the comments from Julian Brisebois yesterday essentially saying, you know, what we think you know Stamkos represents here and what he's done is wonderful, but we're going to take our time and make sure we allocate our dollars properly. You know, when you start hearing that around a player, you say to yourself, okay, well, we've already seen the fire with what Stamkos, Said, maybe there's some, you know, there's there's some there's some smoke here with Julian Breschbaud. It's always been a weird dynamic. Mm-hmm. I still think that at the end of it, I think that Stamkos wants to be a Tampa Bay Lightning for like the entirety of his career. I think he loves his team. Uh, I, I think he loves his teammates. I think he loves being there. I think he loves playing there. I know for people above him, you know, sometimes with John Cooper, obviously now with Julian Breschbaud, it's been difficult. Uh, But this now all of a sudden, yeah, Justin, to your point, you know, pull the pin and and roll the grenade into the office because boom, uh, an explosion just went off in Tampa. And I don't think this one's going to go away anytime soon
0: a little bit less spicy with the GM of the Maple Leafs, um, his first uh, media day here with um, reporters and contract discussions and kind of giving Willie a lot of praise and saying he's a cool cad and that he believes that this is all going to go well or he's going to have a great season ahead. But out of everything that was chatted about yesterday at Leafs Media Day from Matt Murray to William Nylander playing center, uh, is there something that stood out to you that we should be looking a little deeper into or that made headlines um, that deserve to? Because sometimes it's hard to glean much from people that get on the podium and kind of say the same thing every year and year.
2: Yeah. Well one thing it's it's always tough to hear, you know, uh the, uh, the awful Jake Muzzin update. Mm-hmm. You know, Jake Muzzin, you know, it it's interesting. And I don't think any of us expected, you know, Brad for a Living to say anything other than Jake Muzzin's not gonna play. Like that's that was that was expected. Um but as much as you know John Tavares wears the C on the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and he's the captain you know, more people that you talk to in and around the organization and, and in the room will tell you that, you know, while he was there, the one guy, because John Tavares is a very quiet leader. The opposite of that is Jake Muzzin. Mm. And not that it's like, oh, this is Jake Muzzin's team, but at times it really felt that way. And they don't have anyone on that back end. Uh, you know, since Muzzin went out, they, they haven't been able to find anyone that does things that Jake Muzzin did. Um, one, you think of his health, you know, and of course you think of his family and his future and all that. And you want to make sure that he's, you know, healthy enough to to play with his kids and tie his own shoes. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 number one before hockey. But it's always it's always tough hearing Jake Muzzin uh, updates because you feel for the, the the person, you feel for the player, and you feel for his family as well. Uh, but the Nylander stuff is it, right? Alist like, you know, like that's mm-hmm. that that's the big one. And I think a lot of people have always wondered when they were going to give you know, William Nylander, a legit run as a center. Like, let's not forget a couple of things here. You know, when Brendan Shanahan took over, the feeling, and this would have been the Philadelphia draft, um, you know, the feeling was the Leafs drafted, the Leafs draft philosophy was too safe, was way too safe. It was draft a player that you know will make it into the NHL. Like, you're not trying to hit a home run here. You're just trying to get on base, and that's how the Maple Leafs, the uh, Maple Leafs traditionally drafted. So all the scouts can say, "Well, our first-round pick made it to the NHL." Well, that's fine, but did that first-round pick do anything uh, uh, remarkable while he was in in the NHL? Nealander was the, represented the first swing for the fence. That's what that's what Shanahan wanted, and I don't think we should ever forget that William Nealander was, you know, when Brendan Shanahan got the job, that was his first ever pick, and I think that's why. A lot of people have been surprised for a long time, considering he was drafted as a center, that he's never really been given a legit lengthy run as uh, as a center. And you may look at it cynically and say, "Look, they're just trying to, you know, they're they're trying to play nice by Nealander, give you know, give the baby his bottle. You know, fine, he will play center." Um, but I think this has kind of been a long time coming, and as part of the discussion around the Maple Leafs. We just mentioned John Tavares a second ago, there's always been a conversation around, you know, should John Tavares now at this point of his career look to slide over to the wing? The question quickly becomes, okay, well who takes that second line center spot? Uh, I, I wonder if this is the prelude to a couple of things. One, uh, anytime you talk about Nylander, you have to talk about the contract. Does this warm him closer uh, to re-signing with the Toronto Maple Leafs? And two, is this the warming up of William Nylander to perhaps take that number two center spot if John Tavares has to slide to the wing?
0: Well, it's going to be an interesting couple of days here at training camp, where everyone's tweeting out lines and people are panicking because that's a early season fun on Twitter. Uh, last one for you, Jeff. I know you, you guys. Can, t- you
2: can, everyone can get all excited about where Sam Lafferty's playing. Oh yes. Oh what yes. What are they thinking?
0: Oh yes. It will be. Uh, <laughs> it will be fun to be a part of that drama because we need something to talk about. Um, Jeff, last one for you. I know you guys were yeah. um, on the Babcock storyline, and now that it's yep. it's moving forward and we're going to put a bow on it. Uh, was there like a main takeaway you took from this entire process? process uh, which was uh, maybe expose some difficulties from all areas of the inside the club and how players report and how the media deals with these types of things
2: this game has changed profoundly there was once upon a time where if this happened to a player nobody would say anything the player wouldn't the agent wouldn't maybe they'd whisper to the general manager would all be taken care of quietly but now there are avenues for players um, to get their uh, to get their stories out, their messages out, and they're not shy about doing it. What we just saw was a divide between uh, the older veteran players and the younger players on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Whereas the older veteran players, now it may not happen to the older veteran guys, so let's let's be upfront about that. But the new the new breed of athlete in the NHL won't stand for it. And understands, you know, what is, what is right and what is wrong. And the old way of just sort of putting your head down and, and, and putting up with it is gone. Um, and I think everybody needs to understand that. And I think ultimately that's going to make the game better for, for everybody here. Um, and I, I think under, underlining all of this is you have to treat everybody around you with respect. Whether it's uh, a young player, and I know there's always been a thing about, you know, young players joining the team in the NHL and, you know, keep your mouth shut, rookie. You've got two ears and one mouth, you know, use your ears before you use your mouth. You know, you don't have the you don't have the right to, to say anything yet. I think right now, more than anything else, young players have a lot of power, have a big voice, they are the future of the game. and, and that's why this thing got out and this thing got public. And what we just saw was Um, the ending of Mike Babcock's career because of it. And that should send a message to every other coach, not just every other coach, but every other organization um, when they make their hires and how their their coaches behave. You know, I think it's going to make it more challenging for people like Joel Quinville to uh, to get a job again in the NHL. Uh, I think that, well, you know, that was a, like, you guys know this, like that was a really risky hire by Yarmo Kekalainen. That was him really sticking his neck out here. So whether it's, you know, someone thinking about maybe bringing in Patrick Waugh or maybe thinking about, you know, applying, you know, w- with Joel Quenville for reinstatement in the NHL, I think what we're going to see now, because no manager wants to be in that same spot that Yarmo Kekalainen is in right now, and make no mistake about it, this is not over. All of this is not over. There's, there's still going to be a, a cascading effect that I think you'll see maybe towards the end of the season. But this has really soured the relationship between management and ownership with Columbus. This is not over at all, what's been done to the Columbus Blue Jackets and their brand of their organization. But I think what, we, what we've seen here is players have a voice. And also, one thing, and I can't underscore this enough, you have a real players association that is going to fight for them. Like, I know there's not very many with the way the CBA is structured. There's not a lot of fights the PA can have that they can win. But this was the first, you know, the first engagement that we saw with executive director Marty Walsh and Mm -hmm. a significant issue with an NHL team. And, you know, the initial reports were everything was fine, nothing to see here, move along. You know, Marty Walsh, you know, continued the investigation and took it to its rightful conclusion. You know, what we just saw with the executive director of the Players Association was someone that, A, yes, has a background in politics, but also has a background in fighting for labor. And that's where Marty Walsh comes from. And we just saw that play out with the Columbus Blue Jackets, Mike Babcock situation. So I know you just asked for one. I kind of went shotgun style and scattered a whole bunch of things there. But I I think there's a lot of takeaways from this Mm. one.
0: Well, I think it's interesting that you said that it's not over. Maybe they stop the bleeding now, get the season going, and then we'll regroup when uh, the end of the year does come. Totally agree. Yeah, totally agree with that, Ailish. Something to keep an eye on then for sure. Uh, Jeff, appreciate you coming on. Great to chat. Great to have you back on the airwaves and uh, your show just around the corner.
2: Yeah, listen, uh, really happy for you guys. And I know you'll uh, you'll enjoy uh, waking up at a sane hour and uh, being able to, to broadcast all the suns up. Yes. That's nice. Congratulations. We, we
0: do enjoy that. Well, the sun might be down by 6 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays. That's a good point, <laughs> Wait until we fall back. We're still back to seeing no sun, but uh, that's all right with us. Uh, thanks, Jeff. And we got Aaron Ambrose on after you, so stay tuned. You'll love to listen to that.
2: Uh twenty three, number one in my heart. There you. So go. happy she went to Montreal and I know she really wanted to get there. So she's she's with the traveling all-star team with uh with Debian and and Marie right. Philippe Poulain and enjoy that, Ambrose. Yeah,
0: she's in a good spot. She is, she is,
2: listen, you know, think about her job now. She gets like, she gets like the, the John Carlson spot in Washington. Mm. She gets to feed one-timers yeah. to Marie-Philippe Poulin on the power play. Nice gig, Ambrose. I know. I
0: would, I would love that. <laughs> I would love that spot. It's going to be a lot of assists for her this season. Um,
2: oh, go apples.
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh, Jeff, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll definitely chat with you soon. Appreciate it.
2: Alish, Justin, great job, you too. Congrats on the promotion.
0: Thanks so much, Jeff. Uh, Jeff Merrick, host of The Jeff Merrick Show and co-host of 32 Thoughts, the podcast, just around the corner. His show, of course, we mentioned the new lineup. We'll be back from 12 to 2 on our station, of course, and then hockey season just around the corner.
1: Yeah, we're going to be bugging Merrick in person person. soon.
0: He's going to have to see us in real life.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. While he's prepping for his shows. That'll be good. Uh, can't wait to do that again. Mm-hmm. And one of the best things about uh, our shift here is, you know, collaborating with all the great people. Uh, and we get to do that here, but it's a little different over the phone. So we're excited for that.
0: We sure are. And he mentions Aaron Ambrose will be on um, a little later in our show after we do something to chew on because uh, it will be. A, it's, a bit, it's a great spot for her in Montreal. We talked about, obviously, them being probably my favorite team, and she helped with that. So she's af- say probably. Yeah. Is. It is. Okay, it's time for so the Chew-On, brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. I'm assuming that's our penultimate yum, yum, yum as well.
1: It would be. I yum, yum, yum. It would be. Oh, thanks.
0: I don't know if they're keeping it, but.
1: Josh is just going to play prerogative. 12 in a row tomorrow. <laughs>
0: tomorrow. <laughs> every,
1: every time I <laughs>
0: stop speaking. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Yum, um, yum, yum. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, let, we have two clips for you. We talked about Stamkos a little bit there with Jeff Marip. We want to dive a little bit deeper into it and chew on it. Um, so, obviously, yesterday, media day, of course, down in uh, Tampa Bay as well, Captain Steven Stamkos, who's right at the end of his eight-year deal expiring um, this offseason, will be UFA, was asked about if there's any contract talk. And here's his answer where he expresses his disappointment with the lack of contract talk.
3: Yeah, no, to, to be honest, um, I've been disappointed in, in the lack of of talk in that regard. So it was something that I expressed at the end of last year that I wanted to get something done before training camp started. Um, there haven't been any conversation, so. Are you willing to talk during the season or wait until after the season? No. I'm ready whenever, so um, I guess that was something that uh that I didn't see see coming, but um
0: it is what it is I mean, I really appreciate that honesty, you know, as a captain of the team, it could have been easy just to be like, Oh, you know it's something we're gonna we're gonna get to. I feel confident, but to kind of put g m and the ownership in the put the ball in their court and say i'm ready, I'm disappointed, and this is something I want to get done.' it certainly shifts the focus to, well, why isn't this happening? Your captain wants to to talk about an extension, Mm. and you're not ponying up to have those chats. You won't even
1: lowball them, apparently.
0: So I thought that that was, I mean, and as Jeff said, he's a very honest guy, like that's what you want, but it's really easy to to not step into that because now what are we talking about? What is the conversation in Tampa? As Jeff put, a grenade was thrown in the office. Like, maybe not the way you want to start a season, but for a guy that expects more and deserves more, i I'd appreciate the move there. Uh, we do have uh, Breeze Ball, his reaction or his answer, I guess it was asked a little bit later in the, in the media availability about Stamkos' contract situation. This is how he responded to that.
4: Stephen and I share the common goal of bringing a cup back to Tampa. That's our objective. In order for us to do that in future years, we're gonna need to spend our cap dollars as wisely as possible. In order for me to do that, I feel like I need to gather more information. I need to see how this season plays out. I need to see how the piece of the puzzle fit this year. I need to see who steps up and is able to handle a bigger role. I need to see how the team performs. After the season, I'll have gathered that information and then I'll be in a better position to have a clearer picture of what our puzzle looks like going forward what roster needs we might have, and then how to allocate our our cap space in order to build the best roster possible for not only for Steven to remain with the Lightning, but for us to stay Stanley Cup con- contenders year in, year out for the remainder of his tenure with us and hopefully bring the Cup back to Tampa. What yeah. you
0: just put him on LTIR and then put him back in for the playoffs? <laughs> I mean,
1: that's fair. Uh, no surprise that Julian Breezeball is a successful general manager, right? Kinda like that, throat, really, that yeah. is the exact thinking you need to have. And what Tampa is trying to avoid here is signing the contract that basically submerges everything. Mm-hmm. That's the, the thing that, you know, Chicago had. The legacy had. contract. The legacy that's contract it. where you're getting paid for what you did, not what you're going to do during the balance of that contract. And that's great, I guess. sometimes like if you're a fan it's like what's the lesser evil is it like yeah steven stamkos is hurting us but do we want steven stamkos to be jettisoned after all he's done like it's it's tricky in that sense 100 percent. but this to me is i mean this is the
0: i need to gather more information about like your star franchise face that's been your captain and your leader even if it's I don't think that Steven Stamkos is dumb to be asking for eight years, ten million. Like I think he's going to understand that oh,
1: Breeze is going to shut that door. Really well, that's quick. what I'm saying. I don't yeah. think
0: he's going to be asking for. Oh, you don't think? Okay. No, 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 no. I don't think that no. Steven Stamkos is asking for eight year, ten million dollar contract. I think he's smart enough and clearly has the understanding that if he wants this team to be competitive, he's going to have to take less money. Like, I think that that is clearly a Steven Stamkos knowledge point. So we don't know what the starting number is. Steven Stamkos hasn't even been given a conversation to say, hey, I'm actually willing to take a discount because I want to be a part of this team moving forward. I understand that the cap is tight. Yeah. Why don't you pay me two mil? Why don't you give me? I don't,
1: think, I don't know if he's that far down. In terms of, he might be. He might be. And, and, but we it, don't even know. We're going to find out what Steven Stamkos wants. But it's not just money, despite Julian about saying that. It's also the position, the roster spot, like what your role is. And maybe they don't see a future at all. With him at all on and their roster. Putting, I, 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 like, obviously, you'd want to have him now. But what, like, what is the commitment level, right? He like, doesn't need
0: to sign a 10-year deal.
1: No, but like would Steven Samko spring for a two-year deal? Or does it have to be a certain amount? Like, again, it could just come down to – they see a reason to try to to mm-hmm. transition this roster in some sort of way. And they have a lot of money tied up to Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, Mikhail Sergachev, Victor Hedman, Andre Vasilevsky to tie yourself up even more maybe is putting handcuffs unnecessarily on the team. Maybe the wise move is to move on. It's not the conventional move 100%, though. I, I mean, I think it's pretty clear they're heading to a divorce oh. here. I, I mean, like...
0: If you're another team and you saw that, you're licking your chops at an
1: off-season Stamkos pitch. <clears
0: well, <clears <throat> Maybe a guy it, that lived in this area and grew up in the GTA.
1: Exactly. If I'm, if to me, this is happening one year too soon because the Tavares money coming up, and all of a sudden Stamkos at a discounted rate. Like, what is Stamkos' preferred alternative? He's flirted with the Maple Leafs before. He at least mm-hmm. had discussions before, and ultimately decided Tampa was it for him, and that's fair and, and whatever. But you always, when it's a guy like Stamkos, who is an Ontario kid, and the way things have trended, would he be interested? Would he, when he's accept or when he's forced to take less, be interested in a market like Toronto? That is the exact. We talk about veteran presence. That is the exact type of veteran presence that this team thought it was getting in the Marlowe's of the world Mm, and the Thorns of the world. This is a guy who knows what it takes, knows how to win, is an elite captain, is a future Hall of famer is only what 33 still has a lot to Mm -hmm. give. Like if that could work, that's interesting. That's
0: true. I believe he's also a 90, uh, which is John Tavares, right? Um, So he's got more
1: left than Tavares in my opinion.
0: What if this was role reversal? Tavares was entering the same situation and yeah and yesterday bride tray living said Actually, you know, we haven't had discussions and we're not going to. You know, we got a lot of puzzle pieces to say and we it's got to fix this. And John Tavares went in the in front of the podium and said, actually, you know what? I, I I haven't had any discussions. I'm disappointed that we haven't had this conversation. I'm ready to have it. Can you imagine what it would be like here in Toronto if the captain of the Maple Leafs, who's the same age as the captain of the Tampa mm-hmm. Bay Lightning, who's a hometown kid, the PJ boy, said he wanted to continue to be a Maple Leaf and find a way. And Brad Tray Living said, no." Nah! Eh, not interested right now.
1: Well, uh, I can imagine it, but I I also think there's a level of self-awareness, not to say that Sam doesn't have it. I actually think he does. Uh, But the awareness level that Tavares has right now is like, I need to do everything in my power to not be a problem. And I guess speaking out would be problematic, but (laughs) I honestly believe John Tavares is going to be, hey, I owe you something at the end of this. Can I stick around for a small amount of money? Yeah. Like I, I do believe that's what where we're small
0: headed. is going to be like. What do people think of small? Like Stamkos is what making like eight and a half million a Not year. Not Stamkos small. No, 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 no. But Stamkos is making eight and a half million dollars a year right now. Yeah, he's going to sign a new contract at the end of the season somewhere. Yeah, is it half that?
1: Depends on what he wants. I, I don't think Stam- Steven Stamkos is going to want to be playing in exile. Like, like you, I, I, you could mean see, I could, I could see him taking like just like in a, a market that doesn't matter. I no, can he's taking, not
0: going to go to. I could
1: see him taking Columbus. a very small amount of money to play in Tampa, Toronto, or Tampa. a very small money, amount of money. Maybe to play in like a place like Boston or Toronto or whatever mm-hmm. a, a market that matters. I mean, Boston makes a lot of sense right now. Don't say that. Uh, I don't <laughs> expect him to be like, "Hey, where can I get nine million dollars?" No. I don't see that with Ghost. I, I don't either. I don't see what. Like honestly, Tavares is. I think it's like straight off a cliff what he's making.
0: I think, and I, I totally agree with that. And maybe it's because they're captains and I'm using the air quotes, but something you hope
1: also made a lot of money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Guys. They're 33 years old. You, you also hope that those people, when they're in that position and they have the best intention for their team, understand that there is, there should be wiggle room and there should be, a step that you could take a little lower to help the team. I mean, we're glamorizing it a bit, but if you've already made X about a million dollars and you want to stay in Tampa where you've been the face of this franchise and you're the captain, you want to retire there, I think you're going to have to understand that you're not making eight and a half million. I think he does. I really do think that Stamkos is that type of person.
1: With Tavares, though, I think it comes with an understanding that it's like demotion. Like it is, okay, you're playing uh, maybe second line left wing. You're playing a different role. You're not the second line center. I don't know if Stamkos. Second line
0: left wing is not that much of a demotion.
1: No, but it's it's not Spezza, but it's on the path towards Spezza. Spezza was a fourth liner that was in the press box
0: sometimes. I don't think he's there. He was.
1: He was. He was, but again, mm-hmm. we're two years away from that, mm-hmm. 35 years old. Mm-hmm. It's going to be different from John, John Tavares, a guy who already skates like he's uh, <laughs> 37, 38, right? Like it, It's going to be a lot different. I, I don't know, but with Stamkos, I still believe he's a, he is firmly a top six forward next season, firmly. Mm-hmm. But does Tampa want to use one of those key spots on him playing that way? Again, smart executives don't make the move that Stamkos wants. Which is, hey, I should be around for another four years at whatever million dollars. I should still be playing with Braden Point because I'm still that guy.
0: I'm looking at who's a UFA next season for the Bolts. It's Steven Stamkos, Tyler Mott, some guy I've never heard of, uh, Zach Bogosian, <laughs> uh, Hayden Flurry. Like it's not so
1: just Stamkos.
0: It's really just it's just Stamkos. But, th-
1: but you also look at that lineup, but it's not even remotely as good. And where else might they want to spend money?
0: Tanner Janot. Remember him? He's a UFA next season. The following. Yeah, next. I meant next. Yeah, yeah. Next. But you just signed Kucherov until the end of the 27-28 season, right? He's locked in long ter- term. Sorelli is like a million years. Nick Paul is a million years. You have some like lengthy... like.
1: Brandon Hagel just just got a million years at six and a half. Brandon Hagel just got six and a half. And Stamkos is he get like it? That's the thing. It's you just saw Hagel sign for six and a half long term deal. Mm -hmm. So Stamkos like I'm I'm obviously making more than six and a half. But if you're the Lightning and you sign him, let's say just five times seven, and he's 38 years old making seven million dollars, and he's not the same player. That's what they're trying to avoid.
0: Vasilevsky until the end of 2028 season.
1: The career transition program in Toronto is strong. Can Steven Stamkos walk through that door?
0: I bet if he wanted to come be a Maple Leaf, he could be up as a assistant to the general manager.
1: Assistant, oh, to, yeah.
0: assistant to the regional we, manager, it, it, Dwight the, Shroom. The money doesn't
1: in, stop in when, two you, years. when you hang up the skates. We can yeah. we can find Let's start our for sales
0: you. pitch on Steven Stamkos.
1: Come home, Stephen.
0: Someone that's signing a new contract. Aaron Ambrose, uh, defenseman for the PWHL Montreal franchise. Of course, it was an exciting week uh, earlier here in Toronto at the CBC headquarters when the very first inaugural PWHL draft was taken and Ambrose was a first rounder, a 6 overall pick for Montreal joining a great stacked roster with Poulen and Stacy and Anne-Renée Debien and a lot of other big name folks in montreal so let's chat with aaron ambrose after the break we'll be joined by blake murphy at eight o'clock in studio and ben ennis and brent gunning the new hosts of the fan morning show on monday they'll wrap up our show on our baby friday
1: diving deep into leaps Raptors, jays and nfl the jd bunkers podcast subscribe and download the show on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts
0: All right, fan morning show. Justin sports Sportsnet 590, the fan. I knew Aaron Ambrose when we were maybe like five or six years old. We played hockey in Georgina, Keswick, Sutton, the grittiest of hamlets north of the city. Georgina Ice Palace was the rink, grew up playing together. And look at her now, first-round draft pick at the newest PWHL franchise with exciting, exciting months ahead. Aaron, welcome to the show. Why, thank you, former teammate Ailish. <laughs> Morning. Uh, how are you feeling? This has been such an exciting week. I know uh, it kicked off that way. And then since it's been just a buzz, um been able to see everyone sharing on social media, like how much this means for them. But now it's Thursday, a couple of days removed. How are you feeling about getting back to Montreal and starting something new?
3: Oh my goodness. It's been a whirlwind. Um to be honest, I'm like not sure how to pack up my life in Toronto, so like that's a little bit of anxiety. But you are right; I am very much looking forward to heading to Montreal. We've got—I've already got people looking at apartments for me, which Ooh. has been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he told you a stressful situation. Um, but we've got a call tonight, which I think will help kind of solidify things a little bit more and figure out some more details. But uh, who doesn't love moving in the middle of? The year. Yeah.
0: Moving okay. in general sucks. Um, I think I'm busy. The time that you're going to ask me to help you move out of Toronto, I think I'm busy that weekend or that day. So just telling you now, uh, I, I hate moving. So you, you, can hire, you can hire some people, but uh, we'll see if it works out. Okay. Before I get into the actual team itself um, and Montreal, the draft i mean it was uh inaugural it was special it was monumental there's a lot of ways to explain it but you walk that lavender carpet you see young girls used you in the stands or the the audience there are waiting for your name to be called there's agents there's there's family there's a whole bunch of people there uh to watch history um when did that sink in was it walking across the carpet was it when you heard your name called in the first round to montreal was it a couple days after
3: uh, I think it was a couple of days after. Um, I kind of had a, quite a few pinch me moments. Um, actually, after I got drafted, I was sitting in a CBC room with Savannah Harmon. Mm-hmm. And we were waiting to do a couple of interviews. And um, I don't know if I was allowed to say that, but I did. Um, yeah, good. <laughs> and we were sitting there and we were just talking about like all the media stuff that we had to do afterwards. And it was like, you know what, there's like zero complaints right now because like we appreciate it. And it was finally one of those moments like it wasn't just a one and done thing. Hey, here you go. Here's your picture with your stick. It was like, OK, now let's get buzzed. We mm-hmm. went to a media scrum room and there was tons of media in the room. And like that's when I was like, you know what, this is this is already different.
0: And I think even leading up to it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, you have an agency, you have uh, people that are there to support you. I believe that they even help like the girls get ready and get like, I know this is little, but like hair and makeup and making sure that you were presented well for this day. Like that's stuff that's never been thought about. That's things that no one's ever put effort into making sure there was a post party, making sure everybody was fitted from head to toe. Like even those small things that you you don't think of were were areas of, of emphasis this time around to make this feel so professional.
3: Yeah, like, I had hair and makeup done. I went out and got a specific outfit just for draft day, and I even had a watch and engraved it with draft day 2023. <laughs> That's sick. So, like, I was very much like, you know what, this is going to be the one and only time I get drafted, and I wanted to enjoy it and really take it all in. Uh, so we just
1: had Jeff Merrick on said, you know, maybe you had interest in Montreal. Did it everything go, like, perfectly in terms of, like, what you were expecting and what the team looks like? Like, is it full slam dunk in that regard?
3: The insiders trying to stir the pot. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I was very much uh, interested in Montreal. I mean, I always say, how can you not be when Marie Philippe plays for a team? Mm. Um, Obviously, I'm currently living in Toronto, so that was a a hope and a possibility. But when I went to Montreal, I was extremely excited. I have ties from being there Mm -hmm. in the past um who and Laura are two of my closest friends and it's just like I know that everything is going to be done extremely professionally with Daniel Sauvageau leading everything and like there's just so much and I, I I don't like saying it as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan but like there's so much buzz around the city of Montreal and like their fans just love winners um, so it does make it very exciting to go there and know that like, that's what is going to be expected in year one.
1: Yeah. I mean, the blur- blurring the lines of fandom or at least like, uh, provincial, uh, blurred lines because Ailish is openly cheering for Montreal. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's all sure good. Am. It's all good. Can still be a fan of the Maple Leafs and of the PWHLs. A Montreal uh, franchise Uh, now that you guys have a team is there like is camaraderie building a group chat going on like it's there's been like there's been an idea of what things might look like and there's some players that were uh, put on teams uh, pre draft of course Marie Philippe plan included but now that you have your team and you're looking at it and you're looking at what's possible and, and excitement is building what's that feeling like.
3: Um, uh, it's really exciting. Like I said, we have a call tonight, which will be really good to kind of see all the faces that were drafted. But, um, I think what's the date? Oh, today. So there was a roster freeze until today. Mm-hmm. So nobody was able to sign any contract or anything. So though that negotiation process will start today. Um, but then I think the weird thing right now is there's 18 players that have been selected or drafted by each organization um so we still got spots to fill so now it's like who are free agent players that are going to be invited into camp so actual team camaraderie probably won't occur until camp and skates start to happen but um it's kind of crazy to think like we still got to add at least five more players
0: yeah and there's like a massive pool of players that are extremely talented that didn't get drafted um at the first inaugural draft and that's tough because you probably know a lot of them and you probably have played with them and you know that they have high aspirations. But I think it's also a really good testament to how much player uh, power is still available for these players to try out, to earn a spot, to get contracts. Um, And I think that's a great indicator that the state of the game is really high, that there are players that are really good that might not even have a team to play for this year or are going to have to work their way onto a team, maybe be in a reserve pool. I think that's what we've been fighting for. What we've been hoping for is that there would be a time where girls, I know this sounds counterintuitive, but won't be able to play because the league is so good. Do you understand what I'm trying to, I guess, say there?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that was one of the big things when the purchase of the PHF happened and we all knew that like the PWHL was really kind of getting the ball rolling. Mm. Like We're all sitting there being like we know 16 isn't enough for all of the athletes that we have in our game. We know that. But also what our leadership in the sense of like our owners and our board of directors realizes that we need to get it right with the right amount of teams and then grow from there. And I think that that's one of the most exciting things about this league is how much time and emphasis, the little details have been kind of just hammered down on. And as an athlete, you, you, You don't love it. Like, I haven't loved not being able to play in a consistent league and know how many games I'm going to play and play with the same players. But at the same time, it's moments like Monday at the draft and moments when we get our CBA done that you sit there and you're like, okay, this is why it's happening the way it is. And this makes it all worth it.
1: Uh, so a couple of weeks uh, uh, or a little while, at least uh, until training camp begins. Uh, how are you going to spend the time? Obviously training is important. Maybe brush up on uh, French, maybe uh, learn uh-huh. the language if you don't know it already.
3: Uh, yes, I definitely need to brush up. Uh, <laughs> I did actually have an interview, my second interview right after In I French? got drafted. Yeah, and Anne-Renee was standing there and was like, Aaron, you're going to be fine. And I was like, no, 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 like I, my French is, Like, I went to Keswick High. Like, how good could my French really be? And I got better when I lived in Montreal, but I haven't lived there for four years. And eventually, I was like, sir, I I can't finish this in French. Like, uh, I was English-French, English-French. So we need to brush up on French. Um, We will get back into training. Coming off of September camp, it was kind of nice that we got to just enjoy this week and have a little bit of downtime. Mm -hmm. Um, and then definitely packing up and making the move at some point.
0: I won't uh, slander Kezukai. We'll move on from that. Uh, talking to Aaron Ambrose, defenseman, the PWHL Montreal franchise, of course, part of the Team Canada hockey program. Um, okay, so I want to ask about the moment you, you get drafted. Now you're set, but you're watching the actual unfolding of your franchise happen. You're getting... New players added to your roster. You're kind of like, oh wait, I hope she slips to our pick. I hope that you know we can we can snag my friend. But you're also adding new players to your team. You guys have international players. You have two Czech players. Yep. You got some Americans. Jillian Dempsey, which was a big one, um, coming up from Boston, which was a big move. Um, the idea that you're sitting there watching your team get constructed by your coach, your GM. The excitement that maybe a player falls to you or your friend gets you know swiped by another franchise. What is that like in that moment? Because It's not something we're going to see really ever again. An 18 or 15 round draft isn't going to be something we see every single year. Like it is going to be very different. This was the franchise building draft and watching your friends end up there or end up at rival teams must have been a very unique experience.
3: It was actually crazy. Um, Like we were standing, I was standing with Laura and Marie and we were kind of talking and we were like, should we, should we text Danielle or Corey and be like, we should pick this. And who goes, guys, they got it. Like we're, <laughs> we're okay here. And it's like, obviously they do. Um, but I will say, I actually kind of caught me off guard, but at the same time, I was ecstatic when we picked up Katie Tabin. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten to know Katie Taven. I thought she was fantastic for the Toronto six. Um, and I actually like, did a little fist bump and I texted her right away she had texted me when I got drafted um and she didn't attend the draft she didn't even think that she was really even going to get drafted and I was like "Tate, like Mm. you are going to be a star defenseman in this league so I'm very excited for that um and then like just moments of like like you said when your friends go different places when Jill Sonia went to New York Mm. it was like gosh darn it like <laughs> new york has got a lot of good human beings there not saying that we don't but like you said we got a lot of international players and players that aren't quite the people that i've trained with or been around with every day so i am excited for that to bring new people around and um i think one of the one of the checks is saying Duolingo is going to be yes, your favorite new app you might app. need that as so, a sponsor Duolingo <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it might it might need to we might need to throw that out to GM Saul so um, it is just so exciting. like Nothing like Monday will ever be done again.
1: So in terms of role with Montreal, uh, pretty clear. Uh, number one defenseman, first uh, chosen for this team. I, I'm sure uh, it's going to be all situations for Aaron Ambrose. But uh, are you dreaming about power play opportunities with, uh, obviously, uh, the GOAT?
3: <laughs> yeah, I can't. Uh... Yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't sugarcoat it. I mean, I've been able to play on the power play with her with the national team for the last little while, and I think we've developed a really good chemistry. And um, I I don't like to brag a lot about myself, but I, I do like to own my strengths in a power play quarterback um, and just think that I'll be able to do this for the whole year with Poo, not just uh, coming in for events and we try to mix the five of us together and work on different things. It's like this is going to be something that we practice weekly, 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 and get to kind of tweak after games. And that's something that um, I'm excited for because I think it can be pretty deadly.
0: You guys have a great leadership core already in terms of who's behind the scenes, but Corey Chevry as the head coach of this squad uh, is a slam dunk. Uh, We know that she's had quite the history with the Canadian women's team in terms of coaching already, and then she's been in the men's program as well. But what does she bring to the bench? Uh, We saw her lots of times on the camera with the earbuds in, like very serious on the draft floor. It was awesome to watch, but you know Corey quite well. What does she bring to this team and her coaching strengths?
3: I think... Uh, what I'm most excited for is Corey's never been a head coach for me. She's always been the assistant coach with the national team. I feel like even camp coaches, she's never been the head coach of the team that, I, that I'm that i on, but um, I think you saw what she was able to do with Team Harvey's at the PWHPA last year, and that was with a group that you have every couple weekends. You don't really have time to sit down and really do a lot of video, and I think her attention to detail is top notch but I also think her ability to connect with players is really important um, I think that's a huge strength that she's had with us and I know her role with the national team she was a coach of the forwards then she came back to the D when we were in Denmark so she's she's kind of worked in different facets throughout her career and I just think that it's going to be really exciting to see her as a head coach because I, I just feel like she understands how to Get the best out of her players every single time, and I'm honestly excited to see the rest of our staff and who we're bringing in. I'm also excited
0: to hear that you play for the Montreal. Blank. <laughs> oh, I thought you might be able to spill the beans,
3: fill in the blank. break something for you us? Got anything? Ambrose. I got nothing. Again, uh, like come on, insider, insider. It's not me. You should have asked him earlier, but. Um, I believe Pooh was, I I think I did see a TikTok that um, Pooh was asked what she thought the name should be, and she does think it should be Les Canadiens. Yeah, that makes sense. I do too, but my goodness, that's not an easy thing to say as somebody who doesn't speak a lot of French.
0: The Canadian women's <laughs> team in the PWHL. Well, I know that there's uh, rumblings and mumblings, but we'll wait till it's fully confirmed on what the team will be, what the colors will be with the mascot and nickname will be. Uh, but we know where you'll be very soon in Montreal. Congrats again, Aaron, on being the sixth overall pick first round for Montreal. And you're a part of a really great franchise. Looking forward to watching you guys this season long because you are my favorite team. And I mean that, and I'm sorry to say it on Toronto radio, but a Montreal stand, I'm going full heel against Toronto.
3: Well, thank you guys, and also congratulations to you both. You guys have made my morning fantastic. Oh, thank you. <laughs> bit, um, but I am excited to be able to listen to you guys in the evenings when my evenings maybe are a little bit more pre-game kind of Perfect. stuff. So I love that. I'm excited for you both. That's the plan. Uh, definitely
0: appreciate the kind words, Aaron, and we will certainly chat with you down the road. Thank you, Justin, and thank you, Eilish. Good luck moving. Aaron Ambrose, <laughs> defenseman of the PWHL Montreal franchise and part of Team Canada. Of course, yeah, moving is literally the worst, and I hope to not be available during that phone call from Aaron to help her move. I just can't do it.
1: Yeah, I, I'll chip in. That's, I mean, I think I've said this on the air before, but, like, I have no skills. So if there's ever help that's needed for anything, I generally can't help. But moving is the one. Like, I feel a responsibility because it's the only thing I can do. So if Aaron needs me. And if it doesn't work out with hockey with Aaron, which it will. Golf. She's she a great could, golfer. She could, just, she could just fall back on golf. She's she very a very good golfer, golfer as We well.
0: got out a couple times this summer with Erin, and she schooled all of us. What is what Pretty is something she can't do? It's just speak French, so she's going to work on that. and She'll be fully well-rounded. Très bien.
1: Très bien.
0: Okay, up next, Blake Murphy will join us in studio, host of Jays Talk Plus, and now going to be a co-host full-time on the Raptor show, whence the Jays. Move on from this season and hopefully it's a lengthy run down the road. They're on a little winning streak against the Yankees and they can pick up some momentum here as they finish off this regular season. Blake Murphy joins us after the break and then we'll be followed by Ben Ennis and Brent Gunning to wrap up our show.